Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is Season 4, Episode 5, The Serpent, Lucifer, and the Devil, Part 2. Now, last week we talked about Lucifer and how a lot of quote-unquote religious folk kind of just all wrap all of these things together and how I kind of see things differently and don't necessarily agree with that. So... Today, we're going to move on, and we're going to focus on the serpent and the devil, which, as as I'm as we're going to see today, as as you know, really, I think the the text kind of gives no doubt about the serpent, the devil, and uh, and they use the name Satan, as we're going to see. Uh, to me, really, is the same thing, and we're going to show how it got from. A serpent all the way in Genesis it starts out as a serpent and then by the time we get to Revelation which is really where we see all these things kind of rolled together it's also known as the dragon and we're gonna see how that serpent grew into a dragon and we're going to uh, if we have time I might cut this one into two more uh, I might cut this into part two today and then part three next week. We'll see how long it takes to read. Because I, I, I want to read some pretty decent-sized passages today and kind of uh, pick some stuff out and kind of leave some stuff for, for another time. So we'll see how, how long it takes and how long it goes. But I want to talk about really what that spirit of the serpent or the devil or Satan or, you know, the enemy whatever it is that that people think of because a lot of times i think we have this idea of you know kind of the the cartoon of uh of uh, of of satan like the devil with with hooves and, and and a pitchfork and a red cape and like he lives in this place called hell which is where god sends the bad people so the devil can punish them which really if you think about it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because if the devil is supposed to be God's enemy or our enemy, but he's doing what God wants by torturing people in hell, That, if that were true, and I don't believe any of that, but if that were true, wouldn't that kind of mean that he was working for God and doing what God, you know, in, in, in that mindset created him to do, which would make them not enemies at all? So a lot of this theology that we have, a lot of times it doesn't make sense, you know, and, and, and as much as I hate to argue, I think I've probably said I love you to my kid more than anything, but I probably think I've said I'm not going to argue with you the second most to him because I, I don't I don't do it. I won't I don't want to argue. You can believe what you want to believe. And if we don't agree, we don't have to. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. Like I always say, these are my thoughts. If you don't like them, get some of your own. But so many times. If I was ever going to argue about anything, it's it's just the lack of consistency, the lack of common sense, which I know isn't very common, the lack of like logic in, in, in some of these things that we choose to believe. And I'm not going to go too hard and heavy into that, but just I want to change our idea of what we think the devil is. Because even when people talk about, oh, the devil's been fighting me, oh, the devil's attacking me. And, and we think that that means, you know, if you get a flat tire, oh, the devil's really persecuting me today. The devil's really picking on me today. Well, no, you probably got a flat tire because there was something in the road and you drove over it. Like, I don't give the, you, you guys know I don't like to talk about sin a whole lot because I believe that 
Jesus took away the sin of the world and our sin is forgiven and it's not something that we need to deal with. And I don't talk about hell a whole lot because I believe that it was cast into the lake of fire. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire and that was the second death and we don't need to deal with that stuff anymore either. So a lot of this stuff I just don't even give any time or attention to in my life and, and it's it's almost frustrating to me when I see people focusing on these things like, like I said, like, oh, the devil's really fighting me today. Is he or are you just having a rough day? Are you just having a bad day? Is life just happening to you? So I want to spend some time to look at what the serpent is, what the devil is. And again, by the time we get to, to Revelation, we're going to start in Genesis and we're going to get to Revelation. By the time we get to Revelation, we'll see how he grew from a serpent into a dragon. So first I want to read pretty much the whole story of the serpent. In Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 15. And in Strong's Hebrew Concordance, the word serpent is number 5175, and it means snake from its hiss. And I think that's so important because, as we're going to see here in a second, the only thing the serpent really ever did was just hiss in Eve's ear and just tell her a lie and tell her that something was not true and accuse her of being something that she wasn't or, or, or lacking something that she actually had and lied to her in order to manipulate her and get its own way. So we'll read through this and we'll pick some of this out. Like I said, I, I, I have four passages I want to read and if we don't get to them all tonight, we'll just pick it up next week and do part three next week. But uh, starting with Genesis chapter three, verse one, it reads, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And again, that's important. God made the serpent. God made everything. In the book of, I believe it's the book of John, uh, it talks about how nothing, Jesus made everything and nothing was made that wasn't made through him. Like we have to understand that even, even these things are a part of God's plan. Like, uh, like when we see um, Joseph, when he talks about, you may have intended it for evil, but God used it for good. Like, we don't always have to fight everything. We don't always have to, you know, root the evil out of the camp. We don't always have to, you know, fix people's problems. Sometimes you have to go through things in order to get to the other side. Sometimes you have to go through things to learn and grow and to be able to help other people go through things. So it says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Which actually is not true because God did not say don't touch it. He just said don't eat it. So already there was a miscommunication. Already there was God speaking and man misunderstanding him right from Jump Street. So, and I think that's important because like I always talk about, the truth has set us free and made us free. But the truth that we know allows us to experience that freedom. If we don't really know what God said, then it, it, it's so much easier to get twisted up. Like the, like immediately Eve was already putting more demands on us than God had put on us. God said, don't eat from that tree. And Eve said, don't eat from it or don't even touch it. Yep, that's what he said. But that, that, that wasn't what he said. So verse 4 says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. 
God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And again, this was the problem. The problem was Adam and Eve were already created in the image and likeness of God. They were already like God. They just didn't know it because they didn't know what he was like and they didn't know what they were like because the Holy Spirit was not living inside of them. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth that leads and guides us into all truth and reveals to us who we really are by revealing to us who God really is, who we really are in Christ, which is who Christ really is in us. So right away, the serpent lies because first God did say, if you eat of that fruit, you will die. He did say that. So the serpent lied and said, you won't die. And then the serpent lied and said, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God because they were already like God. So verse six says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And there's a whole lot here. And you know, I've mentioned how I feel it was not an apple tree, it was a fig tree because the, the first thing on hand to cover their nakedness was fig leaves. And you know, we've been through that and we'll be through that again. I, again, I kind of want to move quickly through this stuff, but it's it's not that they realized that they were naked it's that they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness because god wasn't bothered by man's nakedness they were naked yesterday and he didn't care they were naked today and he didn't care the problem was that all of a sudden they were naked and they cared so it says in verse 8 when the cool evening breezes were blowing the man and his wife heard the lord god walking about in the garden so they hid from the lord god among the trees then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me, who gave me the, who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. And that's a true statement. That's a true story. I think it's funny that Adam immediately blames his wife on, on you know, the, the problems. But when, when, when Eve says, the serpent deceived me, she was telling the truth. She was deceived. She was tricked. You know, she saw the fruit and it looked good. She wanted that wisdom. She wasn't trying to disobey God per se. She was simply trying to be more like God, even though she already was like God. She just didn't know it. So verse 13 goes on to say, no, verse 14 says, Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And uh, a lot of the other translations say eating the dust, which is important because, uh, like I said, we're the, spoiler alert, the serpent grows into a dragon by eating the dust man god created man from the dust of the ground the more the serpent hisses in our ears and gets us to believe that lie the bigger he gets because the more he consumes and devours that dust the more he consumes and devours us the more power we give him by believing his lies so he says uh, again verse 14 then the lord god said to the serpent because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. 
You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. Then I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. And it goes on, and he, you know, he talks to Adam and Eve uh, about it too. But like I said, I want to try to move through uh, some of this stuff. So we're going to jump straight to Revelation. And I'm going to read the whole chapter of Revelation 12. And there's a lot here, and I'm going to skim over most of it. But like I said, it, this is where it really rolls all of these ideas. The serpent, the devil, Satan, it, it rolls them all together. So so I want to at least touch on it all. And, and you know, maybe we'll get back to it again sometime. Maybe we'll go next week. I don't know yet. We'll see. But the heading here is the woman and the dragon. First one of Revelation 12. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. And that's all symbolism, and that's, you know, the twelve stars are the twelve tribes. The woman clothed with the sun, S-U-N, or S-O-N, the woman, the church, clothed with the, the son of God, Jesus. It's all Jesus. Um, verse 2, she was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth which if we'd have continued in Genesis chapter 3, that's what God said was, was the woman's consequences for, for, for eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. She would have, you know, painful, uh, painful birth, painful birth giving. Um, three, then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, with seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1,260 days. So a real quick aside, I believe that the book of Revelation the revelation of Jesus Christ is an in-depth, very symbolic look at what happened on the cross, including this part we just read here where it's talking about a new birth, right, of a, of a son who will rule all the nations, a son that was snatched away from the dragon and caught up to God in his throne. I believe that that's what happened, you know, after Jesus died and was buried and rose again, that, that new birth came, that new creation came, we came, we were crucified with Christ, and then when he rose again, we rose again, and we got that, that new birth. So I think this is all just the cross, and, and it's an in-depth look at Jesus' finished work. And then it says in verse 7, there was a, then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, here we go, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. This is really what I wanted to focus on. And the word serpent here in Genesis is number, I mean in Revelation, is number 3789 in Strong's Greek Concordance, and it means a snake as a type of sly cunning, an artificial malicious person, especially Satan. So the word there, the word serpent there, means Satan. So Satan and serpent are one and the same. Like we're seeing that very, very clearly. And we're seeing that it's a sly, cunning, artful, malicious person. A, 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 uh, again, it says deceiving the whole world. He's a liar. He hisses in our ear. 
He tells us things that are not true in order to deceive us. The word devil in that verse is number 1228 in Strong's Greek Concordance, and it literally means Satan, false accuser, devil, slanderer. So the word serpent means Satan, the word devil means Satan, and the word Satan is number 4567 in Strong's Greek Concordance, and it means the accuser, which we're going to see uh, in just a minute. I think we're going to have time to, to, to do it all to, today. Um, the accuser of the brethren, it's not, it's not one entity. It's not something that literally fights us. It's that hissing in our ear. It's that lie that the world tries to, to, to yell at us and, and trick us and deceive us and batter us and beat us down with. It's anything other than the word of God that, that eats the dust of our humanity. Anytime we believe anything other than the word of God, like, you know, like, like Jesus said, and like I always talk about, when he said the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy when we when we believe anything other than the word of god when we try to get into the sheepfold anyway but through the door we rob ourselves of what we've been given when we believe the lie we're robbing ourselves of the truth so it says this great dragon the ancient serpent called the devil or satan the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all his angels then i heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens it has come at last, salvation and power, and the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But she was given two wings, like those of a great eagle, so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and half a time. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth. But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Then the dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea. There's so much there that I'm not even going to try to get into right now. But again, it's going back to when, when God said there would be enmity between the serpent and, and the woman. And it, it's going back to, you know, Eve was deceived and believed the lie. And and, and now, you know, to, to close out today, I want to talk about how we resist that. And we just saw that it's, it's through, um, hold on, let me find it again really quickly. They have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. Which again, to me, makes so much sense because the blood of the Lamb and, and our testimony, that's the truth. That's the ultimate truth of the universe, that God is love and He loves you. That the Father loveth the Son and has given all things into our hands. The blood of the Lamb is the blood of the Father flowing through our veins. It's knowing who we are, knowing the truth, because if you know the truth, you don't have to fight against a lie. You can just ignore it because it doesn't mean anything, because it's not true. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And again, this is to this is so hopefully we can see that 
the serpent or the the dragon or the devil or Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us of things. And in the old covenant, before the cross, he had the law of Moses to use to accuse people of, even, even though really the law was never given to anybody but the Jewish people, but, but he had something to stand on and he could say, you've broken the law. You're a sinner by, by, by that definition, not by my definition, because again, you know, sin is unbelief to me. So a sinner is somebody who doesn't believe, not somebody who does whatever the current culture says is a, is a quote unquote bad act. But the point is that he could accuse you by saying, you did this, you broke this law, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And then Jesus came and he fulfilled the law and he hung it to the tree or to the cross because it was contrary to us and it was against us. And all the law could ever do was demand perfection without producing perfection. So all it could ever do is show that we didn't obey it, that we didn't keep the whole law. If you've broken part of the law, you've broken the whole law. And when Jesus came and he preached it to the point where not only if you, if, if, if you hate somebody, that's murdering them because it's in your heart. He took it even out of the realm of actions and into your thoughts and into the desires of your heart. And he made it completely impossible for anybody to keep the law so that he could shut up every mouth and get rid of every excuse. And he could say, you guys are all in the exact same boat or, or the exact same ark when the flood comes and the flood is going to wash us clean and put us all in an equal space where after this new birth happened, after excuse me, after the woman clothed with the sun gave birth to that child, now we are a new creature in Christ, and now we don't have to let our past define us. We don't have to let the law of Moses define us. We can let our true identity, which is Jesus, define us. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I want to read verses 3 through 5. And it says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. And this is what I think we get so stuck on when we have this idea of, of like, Satan or, or, or the devil as as the as the pointy beard and the pitchfork and oh this uh, I had a really bad day because the the devil was coming after me uh, was he it says we use God's mighty weapons not worldly weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. When you think right, when you believe right, you will do right, because what you do flows from what you believe. Fighting quote-unquote spiritual warfare is simply about knowing the truth and believing the truth and letting the truth that's inside you, God's love, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't just tell the truth, he is the truth. Letting that truth, letting that love that's in us come out of us. And when we're focused on knowing God, when we're focused on capturing those rebellious thoughts and teaching them to obey Christ, when we're focused on, and, and listen, I'm not talking about, you know, chasing thoughts around and getting stuck on things and going around and around in circles. I'm talking about if you have a bad thought, let it go. Don't worry about it. Thoughts come and they go. And keep the ones that are beneficial to you. Keep the ones that are true. Keep the ones that are good. Keep the ones that glorify God and that strengthen you. So for my last passage, and I'm glad we do have time for this because I think this is, I, I hope this is helpful so we can see, you know, the serpent, the devil, Satan in, in, in a different way. And, and, and as we're going to see in, in a second, resist him or stand firm against him in a different way. So this is the passage about the whole armor of God, and it's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And it reads, A final word. 
be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And really, that's that that really that's it. You don't have to fight. You can just be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He already fought the fight. The the I forget which translation of the Bible it is, but it refers to the cross as the war to end all wars, which means Jesus fought that war, won that war, and there's no more wars to fight. The only fight left for us, like I always rant about, is the good fight of faith, laying hold of the gift that we've been given, receiving what we already have, not robbing it from ourselves by trying to get it through any other way, but simply knowing and believing that we have it. So it says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The heavenly places is, you know, inside of us. It's our mind. It's our spirit. It's what's going on in us. It's these, uh, uh, I, I, I heard one, uh, I believe it's a King James talks about fighting against nations. And I heard a preacher say, and those are the imaginations. That's what's going on in our mind. That's really where the battlefield is. We need a mindset shift. We need to use the mind of Christ. We need to let the mind of Christ that's already in us be in us. That's how we fight against the devil. It's not about, you know, he, oh, I got a flat tire because the devil's really coming after me. It's about believing what God says is true. It's about laying hold of that gift of eternal life that we've been given. And, and the way that we do that is by being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, knowing that we don't have to fight because he already fought and won, putting on the whole armor of God. Verse 13 of uh, Ephesians chapter 6 reads, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You guys know that my favorite verse in the Bible is pray without ceasing. And I always like to tell the story that my dad's favorite verse is the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. So I chose one that was one word longer than his, pray without ceasing. But really, it's more than that to me because it's a, it, it's, it's a lifestyle of prayer. I'm not saying you have to be going around speaking in tongues. I'm not saying you have to ignore somebody so you can, you know, finish a conversation with God because I've, I've, I flow in and out of conversations with God all the time. I remember a story when uh, years and years and years ago, when, when when I was when I was married to my kid's mom, she said that I woke her up in the middle of the night because I was praying in tongues in my sleep. Like that's how <laughs> that's how much and how often I pray, I guess, if I can say it that way, without without sounding like I'm trying to toot my own horn. I'm just always trying to be conscious of God in my life. I'm just always trying to be uh, have an attitude of gratitude, uh, just to 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 make sure that He is 
not only at the center of everything, but he is the center of everything. Even our shoes, even our belt, our body armor, the shield of faith, which stops the fiery arrows of the devil. If you have faith and you know the truth and you're walking by faith and not by sight, it doesn't matter what arrows come at you or where they come from. It doesn't matter if you get a flat tire, you won't have to blame it on the devil and you'll know that you'll be prepared to, to get your tire fixed because God will provide for you. It's this calm, confident assurance that no matter what comes, God will carry you through it. Being strong in the Lord and His mighty power. It's knowing that you have everything you need. You have the sword and the shield. You have the uh, the helmet. You have everything you need. You have the, the, the shoes that let you walk in the peace that comes from the good news, so you'll be fully prepared. And again, the shoes are what allow you to walk by faith and not by sight. You can't walk by faith without walking. You have to know this stuff and you have to live this stuff. You have to receive it and release it so that what is inside of you will come out of you. Fill yourself up to overflowing with what God has already filled you up with so that it comes out of you naturally. And when you start to do that, you don't have to worry about, oh, did I put all the armor on? Because you know you got it. You're prepared. You're ready. You can handle it. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. And again, that doesn't mean, you know, walk around babbling, uh, uh, speaking in tongues. That just means pray in your spirit. Just always be conscious of, of, of your connection to God. Always be, you know, and, and I'm not saying you shouldn't pray to him if something happens. Of course you should. Break glass in case of emergency. If you have an emergency, cry out to the Lord and you will be saved. I 100% believe it. But I think it's just cultivating this attitude of, I don't care what comes against me because my daddy's got my back. So I'm covered. I'm good. I can handle it. I'm not worried about it. I'm not stressing about it. I'm praying in my spirit at all times. I'm connected to the Lord on, on, on a conscious level. So I know that I am who I'm supposed to be and I can do what I'm supposed to do. And then we don't have to worry about the serpent eating the dust and growing into a dragon and fighting us and destroying us. We're out of time, guys. See you next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by... Uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it, and you can you can support it. Excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it, and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it to uh, to help me to get the word out. Which you know, as we know by now, is is my heart is just getting this word out. Word without walls ministry. Um, so. Just thank you for your support. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.